Hey, welcome to the Revo Church Podcast. We are so glad you decided to join us today, wherever you are. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's message. Well, let's jump into it. Come on, how many of y'all ready for the word? Come on, you ready for the word? Listen, if you're taking notes today, we have been in this series, this collection of talks, Relational Vampires. If you're new here, you're like, what in the world are we talking about vampires for? The reason why we have this title for this message in this series is how do you love those that are trying to suck the life out of you? How do you love critical people? How do you love needy people? They're literally always trying to get from you. Come on, we all know those individuals. They're always trying to suck something out of you and they're never wanting to give anything back in return. And so this series is based on how do we love those that are trying to suck the life out of us? And today, uh, if you're taking notes, we're actually talking about how do we love, come on, how do we love hypocritical people? How do we love those that are hypocritical? Come on, how many of you know a hypocrite? Go on, just wave at me. Don't point at the person next to you. <laughs> Don't point at oh, Susie right here. It's Jim. It's my husband. It's my, oh, oh, shoot. Okay. Come on. We all know one. We all know one. The number one complaint from a non-believer, the number one complaint from a non-believer about Christians is they're just a bunch of hypocrites. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. No one said that we're perfect. Can I just put that out there? No one said we were perfect, but from a non-believer, the number one complaint is they're just a bunch of hypocrites. And I wanted to kind of explain where this word hypocrite comes from. It's, a, it's actually, it's a word that was used in Greek theaters um, back in the day, and it was used before Jesus was ever here. The word hypocrite, it, it, its meaning is it's a stage actor, one who hides behind a mask. A person who portrays one thing but lives something differently. Actually, Matthew chapter 23, it actually kind of tells us this and it helps us to understand what this is. is it says, outwardly you look like righteous people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. So how do you deal with hypocrites that are in your life? How do you deal with those individuals? How do you deal with them? Because we all know them. We all know a hypocrite. We all know someone who is living this way. Maybe it's a friend that actually comes over to your house and is literally trying to help you through a season of life and give you some godly advice. But at the same time, this individual are living a completely different life. Maybe it's a student at your school where they are walking into the school and they're proclaiming to be a Christian, but on the weekends, man, they're partying their brains out. Maybe it's a boss or a coworker who at your job and, and at your business, they go in in the morning time and they try to have these Bible studies and they try to have a prayer group, but really throughout the day, they're, they're treating you horribly and they lack integrity. We all know someone who says one thing but lives differently. So how do we respond to these individuals? How do we begin to love them? What do we do to help them? How do we love those that are in a different place than we are? And the first thing that I want to do is I want to set up the why before the what. Is that all right? 
Like, why, why, why are these people acting this way? The first thing is this, is maybe they don't really know God. <clears throat> the reason why people are acting this way is really maybe, maybe just maybe, they don't really know God. First John chapter two says this, it says, whoever says I know him, I know him. Santa, I know him. <laughs> Felt like I needed to say it, you know. Whoever says I know him, but does not uh, do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. Do you realize that just because you go to church or just because you have the title on your life as a Christian doesn't necessarily mean that you are a Christian? And, and we have to understand this. Not everybody that comes through those doors or whatever church facility they go to, not everybody that says, hey, I'm a Christian, is a Christian. Why? Because they don't truly know God. Maybe they're coming in those doors and they have labeled themselves as a Christian because it's something of, of who they grew up under. Maybe growing up, your mother or your father, man, they made you go to church. And so it's ingrained in you, man. I just show up at church on Sunday. It's just what I do. But really deep down inside to the core of who you are, you don't know who Christ is. Maybe you have the title and the label of a believer because it's a mother or a father or a husband or a wife or some type of relationship that you've been in. Maybe you have that title as a Christian because you don't want to lose them or you don't want to think, you don't want them to think of you differently than what you're saying. I remember years ago, come on, maybe some of you can relate to this. Years ago, I was in high school and I had a high school sweetheart named Dusty Salisbury. What a name. <laughs> Dusty Salisbury. Man, she was the prettiest girl in school. I'm talking H-O-T-T, -T, hot. Beautiful. Man, she was my high school sweetheart for three years. Me and Dusty, we were dating and we were hanging out together. We were partying together. We were living our best life. And actually, people in school would say, man, y'all are going to go the distance. Y'all are going to be like those, that couple that gets married out of high school. You're going to go the distance. Anybody in this room dated in high school and now you're married? Let's go. Give it up. Come on for the two couples in the room. Let's go. High school sweetheart, blue jean baby. Anyway, so, so they thought we were gonna go the distance. I thought we were gonna go the distance. Here's the thing, many of you know my story, but Dusty, in high school and into my early 20s, Dusty was always there, in and out of jails and rehabs, all throughout my life, she was always there, she was always saying, hey, you got this baby, you're gonna make it, you'll be able to overcome this. And to me, man, she was a keeper. If you can hang out with me that long and put up with my shenanigans, I, yeah, I'll marry you. But the problem was, is Dusty decided she wanted to go a different route. Man, I'm out here partying and I'm doing my thing and Dusty, she finally got a hold of Jesus and Jesus got a hold of her life and so she starts going to church. She gives her life to Christ and because I did not want to lose Dusty, guess what I did? I went to church. I labeled myself Christian. 
Come on, I'd go into a church service on Sunday, man, they'd be praising and they would, you know, be praying and all these different things. And Dusty's sitting right next to me. And, and as praise and worship came on, I'd be sure to raise my hand. But as I'm going up, I had a bumper too. Like, yo, I'm going, I'm praising the Lord. Praising him, baby. You see this, right? I'm praising God. But as soon as church was over or as soon as Dusty was gone, guess what? I went back to my old ways. Went back to doing what is I knew and what was on the inside of me. Why? Because I never had a transformation from the inside. I was just doing something because I wanted to keep someone. I was only labeling myself because I did not want to disappoint someone. And I think that too many times in our lives, people are labeling themselves and doing something based off of someone else and not a true transformation. So maybe, maybe they just don't know God. Jesus said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter. The second thing is this, is maybe they don't know better yet. Maybe they don't know God, and maybe they just don't know better yet. Maybe they're new in their faith. Maybe this whole thing is brand new to them. But a lot of times we can be so judgmental towards someone else and we actually can begin to become hypocritical towards them and look at them and say, you know what, they call themselves a Christian and they're acting like that? Maybe they don't know better yet. We don't know their story. We don't know that maybe it was last night on a street corner as they're coming out of a bar they had this encounter with God and they surrendered their heart to Jesus. We don't know that maybe the week prior someone invited them to church and as they're coming in, just like, man, I'm just coming because they said they'd take me to breakfast afterwards. And God gets a hold of their heart and radically transformed them from the inside out. We don't understand that maybe they just don't know better yet. 1 Corinthians 3 says this, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. <clears throat> they don't need correcting. They need instructing. People that are mere infants in Christ, people that are just fresh into this relationship, they don't need correcting, they need instructing. And I think we've all seen it. The individuals that begin to judge people from the outside before they even know who they are. I can't believe they act like that. I can't believe they do that. I can't believe all of these different things. Maybe they're new. You know, for me, it was whenever I finally decided to give my life to Christ. Dusty had left. She had broke up with me, so I was done with that. But finally, it was, it was when I was facing 17 years in prison. How many of you know that's a wake-up call? 17 years. And God got a hold of my life because I finally just surrendered. I was like, Lord, this ain't working. And I surrendered my heart to Christ. But at the same time as I surrendered my heart to Him, I was still going out and doing worldly things. Why? Because I didn't know any better. I had done something for so long. When you do something for a period of time, it's just kind of out of habit. This is what you do. I didn't know how to pray. 
Man, I'm praying to God before I go out. I'm like, Lord, man, I just pray and I ask that you would help us not get pulled over to get a DUI. Lord, I pray Susie doesn't get pregnant. Like, like, I don't know any difference. I don't know any better. Maybe, just maybe, they don't know. And instead of correcting them and instead of judging them, maybe we just need to come beside them. Why? Because the Bible says, go out into what? All the world. Go out into Marion County. Go out into your job in the marketplace. Go into the school system. Go as a student into your school. Go as a worker and go before your co-workers. Go as a husband, a wife, a son, or daughter. Go into your home. Go into all the world. All the world means wherever you do life. And do what? Create disciples. I think too many times people think that discipleship means just speaking. You have to do this and you have to do that. Discipleship means, oh, pointing out the obvious. Oh, you're doing wrong here and you're doing wrong there. Duh, genius, I know I'm doing wrong. No, discipleship doesn't always mean to speak. It means to walk side by side, hand in hand. It means to model what you're trying to communicate. Model it. Jesus picked the stupidest people to be his disciples. Why did he do that? Because he knew how dumb we would be years later. We're idiots. I'm an idiot. And it takes individuals that are more mature in the faith to say, listen, I see what you're dealing with here. I get it. I was there. And it takes modeling. How, how, how do we pray? Hey, man, how am I supposed to pray? Just, just, just watch. How do I love those that are unlovable? Just watch what I do. How do you communicate to those that are so needy? Just, just watch. And discipleship is modeling what you claim to be. The third thing is this. It's maybe they know better. Maybe they know better, but they still disobey God. Maybe they don't know. Maybe they're still young in it, but maybe they know better, but they still disobey God. Can I say that we as believers and we as a church, we have to be careful how much we use the grace card? Now listen, I believe in grace. I, I believe in grace. I believe in it to the umpth degree. But at the same time, as believers, we can actually use the grace card and not hang on to truth a little bit too often. We can begin to rationalize and justify our actions. We can begin to make excuses and say, well, I'm just gonna go and do this because ah, I'm covered in grace. I'm covered in grace. I, God's forgiven me already, might as well. It's like we give ourselves permission to sin. We justify it, we rationalize it. We can begin to watch certain things on a computer or a TV in our phone and begin to say, oh, it's not hurting anybody else. It's not bothering anybody, it's not hurting anybody. We, we can begin to walk around and go to bars and clubs and we can begin to get drunk or high or whatever the case may be and we can rationalize and say, man, it's been a hard week. 
It's been a hard month. Oh, man, my family's going crazy. I just need to do this so that I can numb the pain a little bit. We can say to ourselves, man, it's, it's coming to the end of the year. I got hosed last year. This year, man, I'm cheating on my taxes this year. <laughs> I mean, we all know they're crooked. They're, get, you know, they're robbing me anyway. I'm just trying to get what's rightfully mine. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I love the honesty. <laughs> Jude chapter one says, for certain individuals pervert the grace of our God into a license of morality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign Lord. So how do we help those living in this way? How do we help them? How do you and I begin to walk through life helping these individuals? And can I tell you, church, we have to get this right? I mean, we have to get this right. Because you know, do you realize and do you understand that we can actually cause more harm than good? If we don't get this right, if we don't understand, God, how do we love those that are far from you? How do we serve those that are far from you? If we don't get this right, we will actually push people away from the kingdom of heaven. We'll push them. And we've seen those individuals. Maybe we know some of those individuals where we're walking down the road or we walk into a house or it's Thanksgiving or whatever the case may be and someone just starts barking at you and be like, I can't believe you do this. You know that you're going to hell. We've seen those individuals on a street corner just with a microphone and a megaphone just saying, burn, burn, burn. We've seen them. We've heard them. We've been wounded by them. How is that love? How is that showing that Jesus is love? I don't know anybody that has been abused, that has been verbally abused, want to love the abuser. How is that a picture in my mind of a loving, saving God when you claim to be this, but you're completely opposite of what the Bible says he is? We've got to get it right. I'm not saying we agree. I'm not saying that we have to be like, yeah, I, I accept your sin. But there is a difference between grace and truth, and Jesus paints a beautiful picture of how that grace and truth reacts. Tell me, besides Jesus getting angry at religious leaders, did he bark and go crazy on sinful people? Do you know what he did? He loved them first, and he spoke truth to them in a loving way, and then he would say, go and sin no more. We have to love people. We serve them. We reach out to them. We hang out with them. We do life with them. So how do we do this? How do we do this? The first thing is this, is that we have to ask God. God, help me, help me to confront with the goal of what? Restoration. Help me to confront with the goal of restorations. Galatians 6 says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore them, what? Gently. Harshly? 
rudely, angrily? No. Help restore that person gently. Restore means to bring back. Restore means to help get back on track. Galatians 6, 1 again. If another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and hub humbly help that person back onto the right path. Because you know what? There are going to be times where people wander off. You know what? There's going to be times where you wander off. And people go through different seasons of life and we have to understand that their season may be different than our season in the moment. But guess what? At some point in time, you and I are going to go through a season of life where we begin to drift, we begin to wander, we begin to question, we begin to doubt, and we need those individuals to lovingly help us get back on track. You have to see yourself as a guide, not a judge. Why? Because your goal is to not be right. Your goal is to help someone else be right with God. Listen, I don't know if uh, everybody's going to remember this or not, but I know that there's several people will. But I know when I was growing up, when I was growing up, my dad traveled. He traveled all over the place, city to city, state to state. He was a politician in Louisiana. Don't judge me. Um, but uh, he's a politician in Louisiana. And so he was always traveling. He was always going somewhere. And, and I remember that the night before we would go somewhere or we would begin to travel somewhere, my dad would say, hey, Charles, we need to begin to plan our route. And back in the day, listen, it was a little bit different. <laughs> back in the day, you may be remember this, that you, you know that uh, you would have to take out this, what looked like a small piece of paper, but then it would begin to become a transformer and you would begin to open it up. And it's like, you would lay it all the way across the table. It would take up a kitchen table. You remember that? And we would have to plan our route. So we would get a highlighter and we say, okay, we're here and we need to get over here. And so we would take this interstate and we'd highlight that exit. We'd get off on this county road. And I mean, you're, you're highlighting your areas, right? Then when you get in the car, which I, I, don't, I don't understand this. Can I just sidebar real quick? There's, there's so much things that I don't understand really in this age of my life. I mean, I'm, I'm 43. I'm not saying I've got it all figured out, but... It's funny when I hear people say, oh man, you know, people are all on their phones all the time. They're driving. Do you not remember when you had a windshield in front of you of a map trying to drive? <laughs> what are we talking about? I'm not saying text and drive. I'm not saying, I'm like, man, yeah, be safe. But it's funny to me. But we would get off, man, and we would start driving. We'd start doing all of these different things, and we would find ourselves many times where we took the wrong exit, we took a wrong turn, or the road was shut down due to construction, so it detoured us, and we're like, oh, that, that wasn't the plan. <laughs> Come to find out 30 minutes, an hour later, we are lost as a goose. Well, guess what? You didn't have a cell phone. Hey, uh... Hey, Amy, uh, I'm lost. Can you tell me where to go? No, you didn't have any of that. You'd have to either stop at a payphone or stop at a gas station and you would ask somebody that ain't had no teeth. Hey, man, we're lost. <laughs> we're lost. Can you help get me to such and such? He'd say, well, boy, let me tell you, you lost, son. You lost. What you need to do is drive down this highway and you're going to see a field with two milk cows. Those are mine, by the way. 
You know what I mean? Like they're trying to tell you where to go. And you finally get back on track, man. Thank God for GPS. Technology, man, it's transformed the game. I don't even have to study the night before. And I'm like, yo, I'm getting in the car. How you getting there? I don't know. Hold on. Boop, 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 done. You get in the car, GPS will tell you. 500 feet, go left. Two miles, take a right. You're going to want to take a U-turn at the second light. I mean, it is play by play by play. But you know what I love most about a GPS? is when you take the wrong turn or you get off the wrong exit, what does it say? Reroute, reroute, reroute. It doesn't say, hey, you idiot. You missed the dumb turn I told you about six turns ago, dumb dumb. It doesn't say any of that, very gently. I don't know what your GPS name is. <laughs> very gently, very politely, it will say reroute. Reroute, reroute. It will give you a different coordinates. It will give you a different direction. Very gently, it will reroute you. Can I tell you that that's exactly how we need to be for individuals that have lost their way? Man, they've lost their way. Hey, gently reroute. Gently, hey, hey, wrong turn. Hey, I need, I need you to go this way. Reroute. Reroute, walking beside them, helping them to understand, discipling them. Go into all the world and create disciples. That is our command. Reroute and help them get back to a place where they need to be. The second thing is this, is God help me to confront carefully. That's judgmentally, carefully. Galatians 6. If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person what? Gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Do you realize that when you're confronting someone that you are most vulnerable to pride? When you're having that conversation to somebody, you're most vulnerable to pride. And what is pride? I'm right, you're wrong. My life is great. I'm right. You're wrong. But what does the Bible say? 1 Corinthians 10. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. So how do we have a heart to confront carefully? We have to go to them directly. Just you and I. We go to them directly. We talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. We talk to them gently. We don't go out and begin to say, you know what? Oh, man, I can't believe they did this. I, I can't believe they said this. I can't believe they're acting like this. To me, it's so embarrassing to me when I see believers and when I see Christians get on social media and start bashing other believers. That's embarrassing. I, I, I just want to be like, man, are you perfect? So you got it figured out? You must be Jesus reincarnated. None of us, can, let me just say this in the nicest way possible. None of us are perfect. None of us in this room, I don't care how long of a believer you've been, how close to God you've been for how long you've been, none of us are perfect. So who are we to judge someone else? 
Who are we to air out someone else's laundry? I say this all the time. I don't care about your issues. I don't care about your mess. I want you to always, always feel welcome to walk in these doors. I want to cover you. I want to make sure that, hey, I don't want this sin to get out. I don't want other people to be watching you. I don't want other people to be dealing with all this. I want to cover you so that you are always welcome back. Because guess what? At one point, that was you. What did they walk through? Man, I'm not sure. I just know that we're walking alongside of them. What did they do? Man, you'd have to ask them about that. All I know is we're trying to love them through it. It's my job to air it out. It's not my place. It's not who I am. The third thing is this. Is that we have to know and ask God, help me see, help me see when I'm the hypocrite. God, I can, I can love people, I can help people, I can serve people, but Lord, man, this is a hard one, God. Sometimes I don't, want, I don't want the attention, I don't want the light on me, but Lord, help me see when I'm the hypocrite. I love the story in the Old Testament where David committed adultery with Bathsheba and actually murdered Uriah, which was her husband at the time. And Nathan, the prophet, he begins to tell the story to David and he says this, he says, two men in a town, you had one rich man and one poor man. The rich man had a large number of sheep and cattle and the poor man had one lamb that he raised with his family and it shared their food and drink. The lamb was like a child to them. Then a a traveler came into town to see the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle for food, but instead killed the poor man's only sheep to prepare a meal. David burned with anger against this man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you're the man. You're this man. You're this story. We have to be careful, guys, that we don't become the speck inspector. There's a speck in your eye. I know what you're doing. I know the sin in your life. There's a speck in your eye because you know what the Bible says? As we're talking about the speck in someone else's eye, there is a log in our own. Be careful that you don't become the speck inspector. Be careful that you're not trying to air out everybody else's business just to cover your own. Be careful because we're sheep. The Bible refers to us as the dumbest animal. We're sheep. What do sheep do? They wander. They wander all over the place. They go all over the place. They get lost. They get tangled up. They, 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 get, they just wander. We are sheep. And we have to realize and understand that we will wander. And just because we wander does not mean that we're a wolf. Just because we fall short does not mean that we're a wolf. 
Just because we walk away does not mean that we're a wolf. No, it just means that we've wandered. And we have to be those helping other people get back on track in a loving way because guess what? One day that might be you. One day you may wonder. One day you may fade. One day you may doubt. One day you may turn the other way. And we want other people to treat us the same way. Don't talk about me. Don't slander me on the social media. Don't, don't, don't spread my business out. I, I just messed up. I just, I just made a, a poor decision. Please don't do this. Why? Because we always want to be redirected helping to get back on track. We always want to have a place where we can walk in the doors and not feel embarrassed. We always want to have a place where we can come back in the midst of people, family and friends, so where we can walk into a room and we don't hear the snickering and we don't see the pointing and we don't see the eyes that are like cutting into us. We want to walk into a place where we feel welcomed and accepted. And you and I have to do an amazing job at helping people get there because one day we may be there. James 5 says this, if one of you wonder from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover, cover over a multitude of sins. When Satan takes one away from the flock, we have to lovingly lead them back. Come on, every head bowed, every eyes closed. I want to ask you this question today. Where maybe some of you in this room have been dealing with maybe this type of relationship with individuals. Maybe you've been seeing someone that you love dearly or maybe someone from afar. And you've seen them and you're asking yourself this question, man, how... Can I help them instead of judge them? And after today, talking about how do we love those that are off the wrong path, maybe your question today or your prayer today is that you want to have a spirit of restoration. That you want your heart and your mind to have a spirit of restoration. You want to guide them. You want to direct them. You want to carefully love them back to a place to being with Jesus. And if that's you in here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Charles, can you pray for me? Because this week I want to have that spirit of restoration. I want to help direct people. I want to help get people back on track. If that's you, just slip up a hand. I just want to know who I'm praying for. Thank you so much. Father, I thank you for every hand that was lifted. I thank you for their heart. I thank you for who they are. I thank you so much for all that you're going to do. Lord, I pray that this week that you would begin to stir the hearts of the individuals in this room. That you would help them. When they see that loved one or when they see that coworker, when they see kind of that friend, Father, that you would give them the gentle words to speak to love them back. Maybe you're in this room today and maybe that was you and you've wandered. You've wandered off like sheep. You've, you've gotten lost in your emotions. You've gotten lost from what it is that God has called you and created you to be. You've wandered. And today you're ready to come back home. 
You just say, God, you know what, man, I've, I've wondered. I've wondered. And today I want to come back home. I want to be in right standings with you. If that's you, just slip up a hand. I want to know who I'm praying for. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I thank you for the hands that were lifted. Lord, you see their heart. You see what they've walked through, what they're going through. You see the season of life that they're in. But just like the thief on the cross where he says, remember me. Remember me. Lord, I pray that you would be with them right now and just that your Holy Spirit, that you would just begin to invade their minds and their hearts, that you would help them have a heart transformation, that you would help them begin to trust you even when it's hard. Lord, we love you so much. So, so much. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. I want to read this scripture over to you and I want to close and I want to read this scripture over to you as a prayer. This is David writing this. It's in Psalms chapter 51. It says this, it says, Create in me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Renew. Renew. Renew me a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence. This is important. Do not cast me from your presence. Or take your Holy Spirit from me. Renew me. Holy Spirit, stay with me. Fill me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Can I say that that is my prayer for you this week? That is my prayer for myself this week. I think if you can remember this, write this scripture down, Psalms 51, 10 through 12. I want you to chew on this all week long. Chew on this passage. Because I believe this, we can always become better. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this message. If you've made a decision today to follow Jesus for either the first time or the hundredth time, shoot us an email at info at Revo Church FL with the subject line, I've decided. And let us know where you're listening from because we want to celebrate with you. Check us out on our socials at Revo Church FL to stay plugged in with what's happening within our community. And we believe it's going to be your best day ever if it's your best day spiritually.